0: Hello, once again, dear listeners. Welcome to the Aeronauts podcast. And just to just to say a bit, uh, we have reached our episode number sixteen for today. Yay! Uh, yeah, very long, long journey with us, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. So together with me again, once again, we have Audrey, we have Boss. All right, guys. So, what have you been
1: doing for the past week? Anything, any
0: interesting thing?
1: Nothing, same old, working and normal routine.
2: Myself, I've been just, uh, managed to finish cleaning my house, so yeah, that no, nothing much, just cleanups. No flights? Um, I just did only one, yeah, that, that, that's about it actually,
0: only one flight.
2: So, I remember there was a time where we all used to complain that we want uh, six months leave twice a year. I think we got that. It's just that we were not really specific on what kind of leave we wanted. So, yeah.
0: I Lucky for me, I didn't really wish that. So, yeah. Alright. Um, Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So, last week, we actually talked about the primary flight controls. I'm going to give a little quiz on, on, on last week's episode, if you guys remember. Mhm. All right, so first things first, um question number 1. Audrey, what are the what are the three main primary flight controls? Elevators, ailerons and the rudder. All right, boss, can you explain what's the axis of rotation?
2: Pitch, roll and pitch, Your. Roll and yaw.
0: Yes, yeah, thanks. All right, all right. And lastly, Explain what is center of gravity and center of
1: pressure. Center of gravity is basically where the total weight of the aircraft is acted. And center of pressure is where the lift acts. That's all.
0: Alright, so we're going to move on to our today's episode. Today, we're going to be, it's going to be slightly light, I guess, the topic. The topic for today will be Safety Emergency Procedures or in short, call it SEP. Either one of you can explain what SEP is all about.
1: Uh, SEP is all about flight crew uh, being tested or evaluated by written oral or practical training exercises. Uh, It consists of cabin drills and operation of the cabin equipment. We also have recurrent training courses and we need to demonstrate the adequate knowledge, competency and proficiency to perform duties and to execute normal, abnormal and emergency procedures and also operate emergency and life-saving equipment uh, with the requirement by the authority.
0: So, so when you're yeah. saying flight crew, do you mean only flight crew or...
1: Can flight crew and cabin crew to, uh, as well.
0: Right. So so in your opinion, do you think it's important to have this SCP class?
1: Yes it's important. Reason being? It's uh it's important because uh it helps us flight crews and cabin crews to deal in abnormal situations like in an emergency.
0: Mm. So mm. um you just now you also mentioned that we have to undergo recurrent Right for these so-called safety emergency procedures, so care to explain what kind of um, recurrent do they do, or, or what kind of subjects or topics or 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 what what do they do in the class?
1: For those procedures, normally we thought of what uh, do we need to do, like the door drills, how to operate the door drill and adults, and then. escape during emergency and use those uh, emergency equipment on board aircraft and know where they are and also the wet drill and fire drill
0: what kind what kind of emergency procedures are there
1: first aid
0: aid and uh, cpr um actually to add on that there there are a couple more things basically you have your uh, emergency equipment space and also so called the special procedures that we have done. Like 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 for example, in case there's a medical illness on board or, or something would happen, those are those those falls under special procedures. Uh. As for abnormal emergency procedures, as we know, like like um Audrey has mentioned um, how how to survive, how to open the door and whatnot during emergencies. And and survival basically if if we were to if the plane were to crash in the jungle or were to ditch in the sea, what what kind of things do they have to do?
2: All these drills, they are certified and they have validities. Although we do our uh, SEPs, uh, Safety Emergency Procedures, every year, however, they they also have validities. So we have a thing called wet drill, which is valid for 36 months. So normally what we do in wet drill is... We will do uh like for the bigger air, li- bigger bigger airlines I understand they actually have live rafts, so you'll have you'll have to jump inside the swimming pool and then you'll have to uh you know pull a person and then you'll have to do the circle and then you know you'll have to do the uh, you'll have to jump inside the la the raft and all this and am i am I correct
0: yeah but those are more for signaling
2: yeah so uh, yeah. Survival uh, at sea, so that is basically wet drill what we normally do. Uh, like for us, we since we are flying uh, smaller aircrafts and yeah, so we do not really have a life raft on board, so yeah, just yeah, that's the tiny little detail, right? So now the fire drill is also valid for thirty six months. We uh, normally we will have to do that drill where we actually have to fight fire, and we they will also put us. They will also put us in a situation that they will simulate the whole room in a pitch-dark uh, place and fill it up with smoke. So they will teach us actually how to actually maneuver the cabin, presuming it's pretending that the space is a cabin where we have to maneuver this place uh, to, uh, in blind smoke. So yeah, that is one. And door drill is valid every 12 months. So they will actually we will actually have to learn how to open the door and close the door. Yeah, you. It might sound silly for a lot of people. How can you don't know how to open a door? Yes. Um. However, the aircraft doors are quite special. So there are certain things that you have to do in order to open the door and close the door. That is the traditional opening, the normal way, and there's also the emergency way of opening it. So yeah. So those things are valid for twelve months. And we all should attend these drills six months before the expiry so if at all it's expiring on example the twelfth of june two thousand twenty one you will not you will be grounded until further notice although your fire drill and wet drill is valid for thirty six months so that is how the comp i mean that is how the company uh because our company uh, manual i mean our company is much more stricter compared to the to the to the to the look uh, to the um, i wouldn't say stricter it's much more conservative compared to the uh, authorities uh, regulations uh for first time cabin crew so let's say you're a brand new person you are new to the airline and got a job as a cabin crew you will have uh scp work for 10 days you will have an initial training of 10 days so, uh, your first aid will take approximately five days where they will teach you how to do everything from uh, CPRs to heart attack detecting to, 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 to uh, how to, do, uh, how, how to uh, tie a band-aid on your hand, tie a band-aid on your legs. Yeah. So, we do that all for five days. And then, they will also teach us how to do dangerous goods, uh, so what, what things that we can carry on board, what we cannot. We'll Between fire drill, door drill, wet drill, will take about two days. So these things, about, uh, these two things take about two days, and CRM, crew resource management. So how to uh, do we actually communicate with each crew so that we are all in the same page? So that one will take approximately ten days. For for pilots, it'll take four uh for to do their initial SCP. It's about four days which includes one day of first aid training, one day of CRM and one day of, uh, you know, dangerous goods, fire drill, uh, door drill and wet drill and, you know, it's, e- uh, e- e co- it's a combination of all these. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know for you, how long it took for me. It, yeah. It's about four days. lah. Like yeah. when I importance. came uh, more or less around that, right? Mm. So yeah, my, for but when I came in a bridge, Everything was conducted in three days. So my dangerous goods was one day, my CRM was one day, my first aid, my dry, uh, my uh, you know my wet drill, dry drill. Everything was conducted all in one day, lah. So a total of three days. If at all the crew has not been operating for more for six months or more, they need a refresher class.
0: Let's let's go a bit about the emergency equipment. So what types of emergency equipment categories are there?
1: Uh, there are quite a lot, but it depends on, I mean, fire equipment, they got fire equipment, Uh, first aid, and uh other demo equipment like life raft, then you got the quick downing mask and axe and rope and all that.
0: Right. So, care to, care to give us some examples um, of this safety equipment that you actually do in class or taught to use in class?
1: Uh, some of it are like the fire extinguisher that is uh, mandatory and then we need to know where the rope and axe are at and mandatory first aid uh, then we need to know how to use the escape slide and where it is and also the the megaphone I mean the microphone where, not, not microphone the megaphone like it's like a speaker on board you know to use in emergency and life rough uh in case we did we do a ditching. And oxygen bottles, yeah. Anything to add on boss?
2: In regards of emergency equipment, is it? Yeah. Okay, um we actually have uh as I mentioned, we have life jacket, we have infant life jacket, we have uh uh okay yeah, we uh we have extension seat belts, we have uh infant seat belts, we have uh uh, we we have a restraint equipment. We have flashlights. We have uh, ELT. I don't know whether you're familiar with this term ELT. It's it's uh, it's it's uh, uh, emergency locator transmitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also have that on board in every aircraft. We have a smoke goggle. We have we do have a crash axe. However, it's only for crew to know where are they. Uh, and uh, we have uh, fire gloves, we have a thing called PBE. Uh, it's an abbreviation for Protective Breathing Equipment. So, um, we, uh, we of course, we have a fire extinguisher as mentioned. We also have a resuscitator, a first aid kit, we have an infant oxygen mask, uh, oxygen bottles. And yeah, so these are the things that uh, we do have. So each uh items have their limitations and have their, their I mean have their purpose to be used.
0: So uh, that yeah. That, that that's about it for now. So so all these um all these equipments that you guys have mentioned, mm-hmm. can they be found on board?
2: They are found on board. However, it's only for uh, most of the items are only known to. I mean, the location is only known to the crew. Passengers will only be uh, will be uh, will know only the things that they need to know. For example for like their there's uh, the overhead oxygen mask that will fall down. Uh, the seat belts, which is uh, already there, and also uh, uh, the The life vests. Yeah, life jackets. Yeah, and... uh, Yeah, that's all... uh, I mean, what... Passengers are on a need-to-know basis. Only crew will be... uh, They will know where and when to utilize whichever and whatever
0: they're supposed to use and so on. Right. So so with all these equipments on board, Mm -hmm. there definitely will be a so-called routine procedures for for crews to to actually check on these uh, equipments, right? Yes. Um so who who does the checking and and how do they do it do they do it on board the plane or do they do it during you know during uh cruising or or what
2: Everybody is responsible for their workstations so uh we are all responsible for our own items so for the cabin crew they have torchlight they need to check the oxygen bottle they need to check the uh few things i mean a few other medical uh safety uh, SCP-related items, and as for us, uh, like myself, I have to check the fire extinguisher. I have to check the the fire gloves. I have to check the my my life jacket. I have to check my um, smoke goggles. I need to check my oxygen uh, uh, flow and all these things. So yeah, so each of us have our own respective uh, uh, stations to check on. So. There are moments where we we can fly with one item short. However, it depends highly on the MEL. So if the MEL allows it, then yes, we can proceed. However, if the MEL doesn't allow it, it's a no-go item. We do not depart. And all this, uh, to answer your question earlier, yes, we will do this pre-flight check. So before the aircraft departs, before the uh, passengers even board the aircraft, All crew members have to check uh, all these items are on board. So cabin crew, what they will do is they will actually check the life jackets underneath each passenger's uh, seats. But for us, since we are a small aircraft, uh, we have the time to actually check it. And normally before the engineers release it, they should be already been accounted for. However, just, well, we are humans at the end of the day, so we tend to forget things. So yeah, just a counter check for safety.
0: Alright, As for the emergency video, mm-hmm. what if there is no video or or screen on board? What 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 will the cabin crew do?
2: Okay. Uh, for the aircraft or the airline that I'm flying, uh, we do not have uh, in-flight uh, entertainment. We do not have uh, uh, TV screens. So the crew will actually do a uh, uh, a live demonstration on how the oxygen mask is torn about. Where uh, uh, the is the emergency uh, exits? They will also explain the passengers about uh, how to don the life jacket on. And as for babies, they are they're supposed to do, uh, uh, inflate it, don it, and inflate it before we exit the aircraft. And as for adults, we are supposed to don it, but do not inflate. Only we inflate it once we are outside the aircraft. And yeah, so we have sort of things like that. So, yeah, we will always do a live demonstration on board as soon as the aircraft pushes back.
0: As for this demonstration, are they done, uh, taught in class?
2: Yeah, they are taught in class, and uh, they have a SOP for that on how to go about. So, um, but there are certain... uh, I mean, we, we do not really omit anything we do not really omit anything out we always
0: do everything so uh, up next special procedures mm-hmm. so what happens if there's an unaccompanied minor on board right
2: so to answer your question yes children from the age of five and above but who are lesser than 12 are considered as unaccompanied minors. so uh, we we do accept uh miners on board however they must be accompanied by a passenger who's at least 18 years old we uh for the company that i work with we do not accept pass- Miners traveling on their own i understand in your airline they accept yep correct yes yeah so in in the airline that i work in yeah we do not actually accept uh, passengers with uh, i mean well uh flying lesser than 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 uh twelve, yeah. And uh, uh, there's another special case that maybe I would like to bring up. Certain airlines actually do accept these, uh, but uh, because I worked in few a few airlines before this, so yeah, I'm I'm familiar with you uh. I mean, each company is different from each other. Like the previous one that I worked with, we do accept stretcher passengers on board. So that means uh, the passenger will be actually on a stretcher that they are brought on into the cabin. And the current one that I'm working in, uh, working in, uh, does not allow uh, stretcher passengers. Yeah. So it highly depends on, because uh, the reason why certain airlines actually do accept uh, stretcher passengers and do not uh, accept uh, stretcher, uh, stretcher passengers is because of training and also there will be uh, the crew need to be uh, rated slightly special so that they can handle such cases in the in the event there's emergencies. So that is why. Uh, we, we, we do uh, some, com- some companies do accept, some companies do not accept. Yeah, that's the stretcher passenger. Lah, this verification,
0: right? Let's move on to the next big mm-hmm. question. Yeah, mm-hmm. what happens if there's both?
2: Okay, so uh, I think it's common in the industry that we do not accept passengers who are pregnant more than 36 weeks. So, uh, if at all they are 36 weeks and below. They are required to declare their pregnancy and complete uh, complete a uh, form and uh, an indemnity indemnity sorry indemnity form before they can actually proceed for the flight. Now, if at all they are more than thirty six weeks, we will not accept them. Um, normally, uh, we, we 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 because we we do not want to have them on board. Not because that you know we don't want to give the passengers keep a lifetime of free ticket or some sort. No, it's not like that. The reason why we actually do not want uh, we do not want some any sort of complications to be on board. Uh, I believe uh, there are some airlines uh, that they will accept passengers who are more than thirty six weeks, provided they have a, a doctor accompanying them for flight in in their flight. So in the event that something happens, the delivery can be conducted in a safe manner. So if at all there is a passenger who is uh, having a premature birth on board. Normally what the cabin crew will do is they will try to uh, ask anyone who is uh, a doctor on board. And if at all the doctor is not available, they will actually conduct it. So lucky for me, the flights that I am conducting is no more than, I mean, uh, my flights are no more than uh, one Hour. Uh, most of my flights are actually not more than one hour. Yeah, most of my flights are not more than one hour. So we will all we can always land to the nearest alternate. So yeah. So normally the ke- uh, cabin crew will inform us, and then we will proceed to, you know, uh, finding an al- uh, We will proceed to land as soon as possible. Because uh, there was one particular case, uh, in Thai Airways, a child was actually delivered on board and. To my understanding, uh, they got the the child got a lifetime free ticket, yeah, or something around like that, and even in Air Asia, so there was I think two deliveries, but tragically one I, if not mistaken, ended in death. I think so,
0: yeah. There will not be a doctor on board on every flight.
2: Yes, it depends because the the normally when the crew ask, uh, 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 ask if there's a doctor on board, we we because not. We, we, we are not hiring the doctor for you for traveling in the aircraft. Normally, you know, we're just asking a... Brand, uh, okay, when I say a doctor, it's not a PhD old holder Yeah, It's actually an actual MBBS medical practitioner kind of doctor, right? Because uh, there was this one particular case where this passenger was asking for a doctor when a person was having some some peanut allergy or something. And he said, yeah, I'm a doctor, but I'm a doctor a doctorate in philosophy. So it's like, you not the correct type of doctor that we need right now. So yeah, just,
0: yeah, sort of like a heads up. What about death? Explain death.
2: Okay, uh, yeah, we have experienced uh, death in the airline I have worked in. Uh, not in my particular flight, but it happened to, uh, when I was uh, working in my airline, yes. Um, normally there must be a certified person to actually declare the death of a person—a certified doctor present with the police. Uh, since we do not have uh, both, what we will do is upon ara- I mean, if the passengers are full on board, uh, normally we have no choice but to uh, cover them with the blankets. Uh, and uh, we will allow all the passengers to disembark first, and then only we will proceed with removing the deceased. And uh, before we actually remove the deceased, the doctor and the police will be there to declare the death of so and so to certify the death. I mean, old English movies or even ship captains, yes, they can declare, uh, they have the authority to actually declare uh, death reports and everything. However, on Passenger flights, on airline flights, uh, the captain at this moment has not got the authority to do such things, just for your information.
0: I mean, the, uh, so far in Malaysia, that's how it is. Okay, now, now let's move on to, to the um, abnormal and emergencies. Mm-hmm. Right. What happens if there's a uh, smoke or fire on
2: Cabin crew, since we only have two on board, uh, we actually will have certain trigger words that can be, that can, the passengers, this is to, uh, we trigger words for each other. This is so that uh, passengers do not get uh, panic. So normally, one person will be fighting the fire, the other one will be aiding the person who's fighting the fire. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a primary firefighter and the secondary firefighter, so the primary firefighter will be the person who will be will be fighting the fire, and the secondary one will be handing over whatever the primary needs so let's say uh obviously the primary one will be holding the fire extinguisher and they'll be fighting the fire literally, and the secondary one will be actually at the back ready with another one to hand over the fire extinguisher, and so on and so forth. And uh, our main chemistry of fire that we always are trained for is basic three. Fuel, heat, and oxygen. So if we can uh, eliminate either one of these where you kill the fuel, kill the oxygen. So normally the fire extinguishers that we have, they are the type where they kill oxygen. So yeah, so it's just one of those
0: things. And next, what happens if there's an in like a pilot in cap or a cabin crew in cap.
2: Okay, uh, pilot in cap. In the event it happens, we are also trained in this in two uh, situations. One is in our FCE key. The other one is when we are doing our base check. So basically, they want to see how the pilots actually. Okay, I'll just talk about pilots first before I go to the cabin crew. All right. So, uh, what will happen first is uh, there are two types of uh, incapacitation. One is a subtle one, and the other one is uh instantaneous so the instantaneous one is so straightforward where the person just blacks out right in front of you and then you try to wake up the person the person is still basically fainted, in other words so the there are certain ways when the person is actually uh uh incapacitated. We will try to you know tap them wake them up, and if they are un- if they cannot wake up, the seats that we uh that the pilots have are actually made in such a way that we can lock them so it doesn't, uh, so they do not uh, disrupt the control panels or whatever that is very crucial for us to use, like the engine uh, engine columns and all these things. So, right? Now, subtle one is the one that is a little bit scary in the sense where it happens so subtle, there are certain situations that it happens so subtle that we do not even realize it is happening. So, among pilots... To kill the awkward, conver- uh, the awkward moments in the aircraft, we do uh, we, t- we do talk to each other. Basically, we will talk certain things just to see each other's alertness. The cabin crew side, uh, uh, it's the same thing as well. Uh, the, Again, okay, there are two types. Straightforward. If the person just faints, yeah, we just proceed with whatever we are supposed to do. and Then we put them in the seat. Uh, normally, if the passenger seats are available, so we'll put them in the passenger seat. And uh, if they are not, then no choice; we have to put them in their jump seat. However, if it's going to be subtle one, there are certain ways also to find out. So one of it is communication. One of it is actually you know asking questions that don't really make sense that they answer also that they answer to the questions that don't make sense. So yeah, that's one of those ways to find out uh, incapacitation. It is also one way for us to find out whether we are having decompression. Uh, the higher you go, the thinner the air. And the thinner the air, the lesser, uh, oxygen that will be used be breathing. So we have conscious uh, seven seconds worth of consciousness at forty thousand feet. So uh, one of the ways to know if you are having incapacitation is by asking questions. So yeah.
0: What happens if 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 your plane crashes into a jungle?
2: Okay. Uh. So in the event you actually um do survive a crash landing in the jungle. We have to take out our torchlight. We have to take out our megaphone. We have to take out our ELT. We have to take out uh, fire extinguisher. We have to take out the the, the, the. the, uh, first aid kit. And
0: yeah. What about visual signalling?
2: Okay, visual signalling we are we have to put arrows on the ground. Okay, it is common practice where in the event we do end up in a crash landing we will have to be in the proximity of the crash site do not do not do not leave the crash site in unless it's really really necessary because the signaling the final uh, they will always detect uh, 20 nautical miles of the last signaling where the aircraft actually did you know appear so uh try to stay as close as possible to the crash site that is one So for visual symbolings, we have uh, actually five types. One is uh, a uh, a letter B. One is a letter X. One is a letter N for November. And yes for York or uh, Yankee, right? And also the last one is actually a direction, an arrow. So each of uh, of these symbols actually uh, means uh, a certain meaning, Uh, like... V we actually have uh, it. It means uh, require assistance, and uh, X means re- require medical assistance. And for no negative, and yes for Y, and arrow means proceed in this direction. So we also have other 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 types of uh, indications. However, I'll just talk about this. And how do we know if the uh, if the aircraft in the air acknowledges? that they, they they already seen us. So in the daytime, normally they will rock their wings left and right. And if it's at night, they will actually on and off their landing lights a few times uh, so that they will know that, they, they're acknowledging that we know that you are there. Patrick, anything else you want to add before we end the
0: topic for today? Noah. Alright, so guys, that's uh, all we have for today. What we have done today, we we actually talk what is SCP all about, what kind of classes that crews undergo, uh, before they actually start working. Uh, what are some of the emergency equipment, What the procedures, the routine procedures that uh, Kevin cabin crew actually does. I mean, both the crews actually does some of the special procedures like um, uh, unaccompanied minor, in case of death and birth on board. As for emergency, what if there's fire? Uh,
2: talk yeah. about uh, mother's uh, deliveries, we talk about mother's... Uh,
0: we talk about... Uh, oh, right, right. Um, Pilot in-cap. Mm. In-cap. Right. I mean, so, crew in-cap uh, lah. Right, so for, uh, as for abnormal emergency procedures, we actually touch on about the fire, it's more on board. Crash, in case of any crash in the jungle, what are we got to do and what are we are supposed to do? Mm. And yeah, what kind of signaling codes that uh, we have? Um, yeah, basically that's all about it lah. Once again, thanks Thanks all listeners for tuning in to us and uh
2: Please follow us on all our social medias mm. at Facebook, Instagram and Twitter At AER0NUTS At AER0NUTS Like, follow and share And please, if you have any feedback Feel free to add them in the comments and Or you can personally message us We will be looking forward to get some details about that so um, I believe uh, Vincent and I will be taking a break uh, to uh, sort out a few things um, and then we will get back to you as soon as possible. Don't worry, we'll keep you updated in, in our social medias. And uh, happy Father's Day. This is from us, from the aeronauts. Thank you very much, guys. Looking forward to see you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.